illustration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Procorus, Procorus Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas, an apostolite of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. What we have here in the book of Acts chapter 6 is a history of the early church, the first church. Acts chapter 6, they're experiencing conflict. They have growing pains, we might say. There's a murmuring going on. Looks to me like a typical group of church people, amen? Growing pains, murmuring. There was divisions developing, and there was a neglect among some of the people, and it might have been uh, more to it than just neglect because of... uh, of not having enough may have been because there was some preference being played. Could have been. So like all churches, they're trying to do something. They're trying to do the gospel thing, reach the community with the gospel of Christ, and they have problems. Are you surprised when a church has problems? The only difference between a church and a bar, when the bar has problems, they settle it that night with a fist fight. They all go back to the bar next weekend. They're all happy again. We churches, we try to do like Christ would have us and carry bitterness. And we don't always get along. Lord, help us. I was told about the man who came to the pastor. He wanted to join their church. Wanted to be a part of their church. And he said, I'm looking for a church that will ask me to do nothing. I just want to come and sit. And I want to listen. I want to go home. The preacher said, you might not want to join our church, but he said, I know one up on Vine Street, 201 Vine, you might want to go up there and join that church. So the next Sunday morning, the guy got dressed, and he'd taken the pastor's advice, and he drove to that church up on Vine Street, and he went into the parking lot, and he noticed there wasn't anybody there. When he got to the front door, they were padlocked. Need I say any more? That church was a place you could go and you didn't need to do anything. There's no, no requirements of you. You could just sit there and relax. That didn't go over as good as I wanted it to. Well, in the church here in Acts 6, there's some murmuring and there's some gossip. I've noticed among people, gossip is, travels a lot faster than the gospel. The gossip. You will hear about the church out in the community. and It will be gossip. We need to hear the gospel in the community. No one's going to take the gospel with us. 
the people of the church, right? We should take the gospel. So, if God is doing something in the church, we should expect, or if we're trying to do something in the church, we should expect the devil to show up pretty quick. He knows how to put you down, stop you, in the progress. You do believe in a living devil, don't you? Or maybe a dying devil? How many believe in the devil? Say amen. How many don't believe in the devil? Say, oh me. Well, nobody voted. So, the, the last point in the text from the, the apostles was that it was an indication that there was an overload of, of work to do and not enough people involved, not enough people volunteering to get the work done. There were some issues or people that were not being attended to and there, there was some probably... Uh, neglect because of racial issues or political issues. If you look at that difference between the, the, the Hellenistic Jews versus the Hebraic Jews, uh, that was probably more than just neglect. But you know, it reminds me about in a church family, in a church body, it's been all of my life I've heard it, I bet you've heard it too, that 10% of the people do 90% of the work. Anybody ever heard that before? 10% of the people do 90% of the work. I think my bell went off. I'm supposed to quit. But God has called us, all of us, to serve. Is that not true? God has called us to be a part of the church. God has gifted the church with you. Uh, Ephesians 4:16 says that every joint and every part supplies a part of the need for the church. And, and with you and with us working together, we are to tackle the work that God has assigned the church. So, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus is talking to Peter, and, and he says, Upon this rock I will build my church. You've heard that, haven't you? Upon this rock I will build my church. Christ is the rock that the church is built upon, right? He's the rock in which the church has built on. If you look in that text, it's in, in Matthew 16. Peter is a little stone, but Christ is a big rock, right? And, and the church is not, if the church is built on little stones, it will fall apart. If it's built on Christ, it will stand. And it is to be built on Christ. Peter's profession is recorded there in Matthew 16. And the, the profession of faith of, of Peter, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. The church is built on that profession of faith. Amen. Of course, Christ is that rock, and that profession is what we work from. We're not to tell people about ourselves. We're not even to tell them about our church fellowship. We're to tell them about our Christ. Amen. So, the work, the work of the church. The apostles are trying to do that in Acts chapter 6. They're attempting to do that. And so we see what's going on. It's a big responsibility. Understanding that, that Christ is the rock and the church is built upon that rock and the apostles are doing that work on that rock, building the foundation, and even today we're carrying on out the work of the apostles as Christ builds the church. You've seen the, you've seen the church's uh, job description, haven't you? 
You, you know the church's job description. It's in Matthew 28. That's the description. You know, people write down uh, purposes for their church and everything. And, and you, you got it already written down in the Bible. Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came. He came and he spake to them. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. When we're to serve the Lord and when we're working as a, in the ministry of serving God, we need to remember that all power is given to him. All power in heaven and earth. He said, what did he say after that? You know the first word. Go. He said, go ye therefore. He said, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I will be with you. I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Then it's over with. The job description of the local assembly can be taken from that. That we're to take the gospel in the power of Christ, serving Christ. We're to go into the community, go into the, the outward parts, go into the uttermost parts of the earth. And we're to go, we're to witness to them and win people to Christ. And we're to get them involved in it. It's a multiplication thing. We get them involved in the going. And we're to teach them the things that he has, uh, he's taught us to observe. That's the work of the church in a nutshell. You can say the job description of the church. So we're trying to continue what they were doing here in Acts chapter 6. Then Acts chapter 6 to 12 had some need. They had some need for help. Twelve couldn't do it. Look what it says here in verse 2. It says, Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you, uh, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. They told the people, we need some help taking care of some responsibilities so we can do what God has called us to do. The 12 needed help. Now, they were a gigantic church at that time, as we understand it, in a sense that they were 6,000 some more people involved. But let me tell you something. We need help here. <laughs> the work is more than one, two, three, or ten can do. 90% of the work does not need to be carried out by 10% of the folk. All of us are called to be a servant. All of us are called to be a part of a working body of Christ. Now, Jesus calls all of us to serve in some capacity. The pastor doesn't need to do it all. The pastor doesn't even have to be the administrator. He shouldn't have to be the administrator. Uh, he shouldn't. He doesn't even have to be the moderator. Uh, he he just needs to take the word of God and teach and pray. Really, he can do the other things that others should do: is visit and all those other things, repair when it comes up. But there's a place for everybody. If you look at Romans 12, there's gifts that've been given to the church, and we're to exercise and we're to volunteer and we're to use those gifts. So. We see the job in, in Acts 6, verse 2. He said, The twelve called the multitude of disciples unto them. They call them together. And they say, uh, 
It's not reason that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. There's work that we can't get to, is what they're saying. Verse 4, he says, But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. In verse 3, we see who they're looking for. Look at verse 3, he said, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost, and wisdom whom we may appoint over this business. Now these 12, they, somehow or another, they figured it out. We could say they, they looked at the situation of what they uh, needed done, and they said, hey, we need help. Well, how many do we need? We three? Do we need 25? Do we need 10? Do we need? And they decided we need seven. And they said, wherefore, brother, look ye out from us. Among you, seven men of honest reward. Now, he told them to be looking around. That's what the twelve said, right? They told y'all be looking around and, and looking around. And, and we think the number is twelve. And, and, and so, you, I mean seven. And so, uh, they said uh, in verse three, And wherefore, brother, look ye among you seven men of got some character that we may appoint over these things that we have that need to be done. We have a very loose job description, if you want to call it that at all, in the text. Let me just bring up some things there that you could look in the text and see that that the, some people here that could meet the needs that have occurred or may occur uh, that can quiet down the murmuring that's going on. Their work, their ministry might quiet quiet down the murmur. Uh, that, that they might resolve the divisions that seems to be beginning in here and fix some problems that are going on here. Serve tables. Serve tables. Nowadays, that would be toilets, tables, on and on. And help, help us so that we that are to be in the Word and prayer can spend our time in the Word and in prayers, some people with broad shoulders that can carry responsibility, full of the Holy Ghost, people who can take opposition and can handle and manage things, uh, some folks that could be examples for others to follow, right? Living the Christian life, that we can see oversee this business. That's what they said. There, there were needs, and they needed these men to handle them. Surely, these ones that they're looking for would love Jesus, right? Is that too complicated? Sometimes I think we need to just park right there that love Jesus. And that are willing to sacrifice of their time and their hearts and their minds to sacrifice. And then he gives us a list of these men that they chose, these seven that were pulled out. These, these men were, uh, they stood out somehow among all of those people and they, they selected these, these seven. Stephen. What do we know about Stephen? First martyr, right? He preached. Who was there when Stephen uh, was a martyr? Who was there? Somebody blurt out his name. Paul. He was there. And, and, and we know that he never got over this. Because he mentions it in his testimony. So he, they said, Stephen, Stephen was willing to sacrifice his life 
Put his life on the line. And then there's Philip. What do we know about Philip? Well, most likely he is the one who went out to the desert and led the Ethiopian man to Christ, the eunuch to Christ, right? Then Prochorus, I'm going to say it in two syllables. Prochorus, they, they tell us in, in the study that I've done that this looked like a music person. Prochorus. Chorus, the word chorus. Nicanor, his name, all I know about Nicanor is his name means victorious. And then there's Timon, and his word, his name means value. Value. And then Parmenas, constant is what his name means, constant. And then Nicholas, and this was the, this one's got the negative connotation to it, because his name's associated with the development of uh, the priesthood in Rome, where there's a, a priesthood over the priesthood of all believers. You know, the Bible teaches us, might as well make sure we get this right, that we're all priests and kings unto Christ. We all have direct access to the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ, and we have the Holy Spirit in us to accomplish that mission or that, that contact. Is there an amen to that? I mean, that's important truth right there. And so, one out of seven may have been involved in some false teaching that finally occurred. He's from Antioch. He's well learned. Who knows? Much learning sometimes goes to our heads, doesn't it? Now, we see the character of these these ones that they're asking to help. It should be the character of every one of us, and we know that's impossible that we would all measure up to uh, the qualifications of leadership, but we all should be challenged to be measured up to that qualification. First, of an honest report. I don't know that that's very hard to accomplish. I think we ought to be able to to accomplish that, that we would have a good report among the people that are outside of the family of God outside of the, the church walls. It says in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1, he said, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. Does our character matter more than our, than our bank account? It should. Our character matter? Does our character matter? It should. A good report. You know, people might talk bad about you, but don't help them. Don't give them something. And so, First uh, Timothy three seven, speaking of the deacon, it said, "Moreover, they must have a good report among them that are without, lest he fall in reproach and a snare of the devil." The devil can trip you up. I tell you what, I'll tell you something that you may not know about the devil, but he'll bring up your past and remind you of your mistakes. Yeah. Then it says men, and in this text, men full of the Holy Ghost, verse 3. This is less of self and more of him. You know, you are full of something. I am full of, we're all full of something, right? And we need to be full of the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, Ephesians 5.18, be ye filled with the Holy Spirit, with the Spirit. And what that means is, to be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. How does this work? Well, our prayer life, our time in the Word, our time in, in service together, learning and hearing and affirming the truths of God, 
all important? Being full of the Holy Spirit's important. It's important. And we all are taught to seek that filling of the Holy Spirit. That we might even show the fruits of the Spirit. We won't read those, but it's in Galatians 5.22. Then he goes on, we, we want these helpers to be full of wisdom. Or, or at least these were. These men that they chose looked to be the best that they have. And, 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 and we should be the best that we can be, right? Full of wisdom. Over in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 17, it says, For they eat bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. That, that's, that's not wisdom. That's not wisdom. James 1.5 says if we're not full of wisdom, we need to pray that we might be filled with wisdom. He says, if any man lack wisdom, let us ask of God that give it to all men liberally and abradeth not. We may be full of other stuff, but we can be filled with wisdom, can't we? Amen. Prayer, the Bible, preaching, teaching, associating, exercising, using it. You know how this thing works in a, in a Christian growth? You know how Christian growth works? <clears throat> it works like this. Like this. First, you become a Christian, right? Begins by becoming a babe in Christ. A time that we're born of the Spirit of God, we become a Christian. And then, time in the Word, reading the Word, studying the Word, hearing it preached, hearing it taught, right? <clears throat> then our prayer life is vital to spiritual growth for a Christian. And you know what the one that sometimes we leave on? Exercising it. Exercising You know, I've got... I've got a treadmill at my home. I've got a real nice one. I've had it for about four years now. It's still nice. It's about as nice as it was the day I got it. Can y'all tell how much I've been using it? I'm sorry to say you can. Exercise is important. And that is true with Christian maturity and Christian growth. If we don't be doers of the word and not hearers only, James says, uh, we're, we're like a man forgetting what he saw in the mirror. You know, you look in the mirror and you get your face all fixed up and get your hair all straightened out. If you look in the mirror and just see the need and do nothing about it, he said, you're not, you haven't accomplished anything. So the truth is we read the Word, we study the Word, we, we're involved in Bible study and preaching of the Word, and then we carry it out and exercise it, put it to work. That's how we get full of the Holy Ghost. That's how we get full of wisdom. Then he gives another one here, the fourth one in my list, willing to accept responsibility. You ever heard of the, the concept of ownership? Have you heard of that? You know, people use that concept. And, and in your marriage, you need to take ownership for it. Your property, take ownership. In your job, take ownership for it. In other words... It's my responsibility. Now, realizing God is overall and he's assigning responsibility and stewardship, God gives us stewardship over things. We don't have ownership in that way, but he gives us uh, assignment to be responsible. So we take ownership. These men were willing to accept ownership. The Bible says over in Proverbs 25, 19, confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. 
You only have a, you only have a toothache when you need it the least. And my joints don't give me problems until I need them. And that's the way he says of an unfaithful person. A willingness to accept responsibility and to do our best at it. You know, that's really a real deal with a Christian. Really it is about everything we, we do. It should be real that we become responsible. You know, that's the word discipleship comes from the idea of discipline, right? And discipline, you, you take your kids, what do you do? When you're trying to raise your kids, what are you trying to do? I think the most important thing you're trying to do is teach them to be responsible so that when they're your age, you don't have to take care of them like children anymore. They're responsible. Is that not true? That's true, isn't it? That's an amen there, maybe. Well, that's the Christian life. We grow from little children to youth to adulthood, John tells us. A willingness to accept responsibility is how you get to be a responsible, mature Christian. A willingness to serve is the fifth. Willing. Willing. Serving table. Humble. You get that from First Peter, from Philippians, humble like Christ was humble. You want to be like Christ? Humility is the nature of Jesus, right? When, remember when he asked who's the greatest among us? Who is the greatest among us? The one that's standing up and speaking? The, the one that's giving out orders? No, the one that is our servant. So, does anybody here realize that you need to measure to these qualifications? Does anybody here realize that all of us are a part of the body of Christ and need to be actively involved in trying to complete the mission of Christ? The job description is to take the gospel to others and win them, lead them to Christ, and then instruct them. Or get them to where they can be instructed. Then we'll close with the results. Look at verse 7. Verse 7. It says, verse 7, And the word of God increased. How come? Well, the apostles are in the word and they're in prayer. And they have a lot more to do than we do, by the way. They did not have a New Testament. They wrote it. Right? They didn't have a New Testament. They wrote it under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. They searched the Old Testament and said, hey, we've got to figure this thing out. Figure this and get this into, our, into Christ. It's all surrounding Christ. Let's get. And so they left us with the job of studying what they gave us and let the Word of God increase. Is the Word of God increasing in your life? That's a good question. Is it? Are you in it more? And then the second result in verse 7 it says, and the word of God increased, and then the number of disciples multiplied. Wow. Now, what, what caused that? Because they got these people involved that were not involved, and they gave them ownership and responsibility, and they said, take care of this. Do something with it. And the disciples increased. And some very unlikely people became followers of Christ. Notice verse 7, and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, 
and a great company of priests were obedient to the faith. These are people following the Old Testament that in the priesthood, they, they, they figured it out in the sense the Holy Spirit revealed the truth and they accepted the truth and they accepted Christ as the Messiah and they became obedient to the faith and the Word of God increased, God begins to use them and God begins to multiply the disciples as the people of God carry out the responsibilities that's been assigned in the New Testament. So what's happening in Acts 6? They realized they couldn't do it all. And they called out to the multitude and give us some help. And that help came on board and everybody's in the word that's getting involved. And they're in the word and disciples are being increased and priests are being saved. And there's a serious difference made. And we have that go on in the book of Acts. And it continues through the book of Acts. Now here's the question. Where, where do you fit into this puzzle? Where do you fit into this? Are you an observer or a participator? There was a time about 20 years ago we, we were using the term, are you a consumer are a consecrated one? Are you a committed or a consumer? Am I here for myself? It's okay to be here for yourself. That's a good reason to be in, in, in church. But we need to grow beyond that, that we become a committed follower of Christ. Where are you at? I want to invite you to come to the altar today. I want to invite you to surrender I want to invite you to help us. I want to invite you to let God use you. Let's bow our heads. Quietly stand to our feet as our musician comes. I don't know where you are today, but wherever you are today, I, I, I pray that God would speak to you, and I pray that you would say yes to Jesus. Yes to the Holy Spirit today. Let's pray together and then we'll sing. Lord, we come before you. We thank you for your word that's clear and clear. Clear to us. Lord, I pray that I haven't clouded it but made it even more understandable. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to the hearts of your people. I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here today that does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, that today they would realize that the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that they would surrender and trust you as their Lord and Savior, that you died for their sins on the cross, and that you will forgive them if they bow before you in their hearts. Now, Lord, I pray for your people today as we, we hear the message that, Lord, we would respond. Lord, there's, there's help needed. And we pray, Lord, that help would surrender. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all sing. <coughs> Thank you.
Anyone else come today? A youth? A senior adult? Anyone in between? sing this now. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee. Anyone else? I am. 